hidden behind closed doors. This is Pyramid Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Jason, what movie are we talking about today? Today, we're going to discuss 1965's Who Killed Teddy Bear? Black and white. 94 minutes. Michael, what are we drinking today? Cheers. Cheers. Today we're being sponsored by Pulpit Rock Brewing. Excellent. Thank you. They gave me a mixed four-pack. We've got Catching a Buzz. It's a Kolsch with some honey. That's what we're starting with. Oh, that's nice. This is good, Ooh. isn't it? It's, yeah. a little, it's a little warm outside. <laughs> this is nice. Yeah, they use they use some local honey. I made a Kolsch, refermented it with that. We have an, the Upper Iowa Common. It's a Kentucky Common. Common is basically a steam beer. I learned this um, because Anchor Steam mm-hmm. sort of like invented this, the style. Okay. And they own the rights to oh. calling it a steam. Yeah. So when you see a common, California common, Dumb. Kentucky common, usually it's because if you want to put steam on your can, you have to give Anchor money. Yeah. It's a it's a bit of a point I found. I've had a couple of brewers <laughs> who sort of, they get a little eye-rolly about it. <laughs> and then... Um, Some learning today on beer. I know. <laughs> BTO, which is their Bach, B-O-C-K, Bachman Turner Overdrive. It's an amber Bach. I've had this. This is kind of their flagship beer, which I've had. And then a Plum Saison. Ooh. I think we'll probably, that'll finish us up. Yeah. That should be kind of bright, a little refreshing, because I'm telling you right now, this movie is not bright and refreshing. <laughs> it it, it is not. Well, let's get into, like, why did you pick this? I knew nothing about this movie before you brought it in. Either did I. I came across it on a list online. Occasionally I'll just Google B-movie lists. Yes. And I did something like B-movie 1960s. And it had a list, and I looked at this movie, and I said, who killed Teddy Bear? I go, I've never heard of it. Not that I know every single movie out there, but I do know a lot of movies. You do. And I, I never heard the movie. And the way they described it, I thought, well, that's something different. And it had Sal Mineo in it, Juliet Prowse. So I threw it on our list. You know, and I'm glad you did. This is one of those movies we always do it at the end. We say, "Hey, you know, did you, did you would you recommend it?" And you know, would you watch again? It's like it's one of those movies I may never watch again. Not because I don't like it. I've watched it a lot, and it does kind of bring me down a little bit. But I would totally recommend it. Absolutely, do not make this a first date movie. Oh no, this is <laughs> watch Taxi Driver. Yeah. Taxi Driver would be a better first date movie than this. <laughs> and so, so let's try to like. What is it? Is this a neo-noir? I mean, I've seen it described as that. Somewhat of a horror movie. Or horror-slash-realistic, real-world, dystopic, sad. Sleazy. All the the people in this movie are broken in some way. They're all damaged. This movie is lonely. I I use the term lurid. Lurid was a great description for this. A little nihilistic. The ending is just... Yeah, we talk about film noir. Yeah. Uh, you know, more often than not, you're getting an unhappy ending. There's no tying tying everything up. Everyone's happy. We walk away. That's not really how noir works. And this one has, of all the movies we watched, this one had the ending that I just went, oh. The brain-damaged sister is like the happiest person at the end of this movie. It's tackling themes, man. And we do have to mention, like, essence of this movie is about deviant sexual behavior. And I don't know if the filmmakers were saying... You know, the 1960s, this is not reflective where we want to go. So we're going to make a movie showing, like, just the awfulness that deviant sexual behavior can lead to. Or they were trying to show a mirror saying, hey, this is what society looks like. Because sex, right from the opening credits, spoiler alert, yeah. going forward, from the opening credits, we get the theme song, 
which it was almost like a Pavlov dog thing for me. That would come on, and it's an odd sort of dreamlike. There's somewhat of a Bond theme vibe to the opening song. It's this woman singing, you know, who who killed Teddy Bear. The lyrics are a little odd, a little unsettling. Just like triggered something in me that I went, oh, this is this is going to be a tough watch. Bob Gaudio from the Four Seasons wrote most of the soundtrack, and I think he also with Al Kasha and Charles. Kalelo, and I think that I forget the woman who sings the opening, but they wrote all the music for this. And that theme song, that teddy bear, is almost, it reminds me of like a rosebud because <laughs> they clearly wrote it because a teddy bear serves a purpose. I don't know if it serves like it represents innocence or something. Lost, but lost innocence. Lost innocence. Or just that arrested uh, development because the credits, we go to a little girl in a door and she sees something. And she once falls down some stairs. She has a teddy bear. We learn later this is Edie, but she got hurt. Her brother was it a babysitter? Because Lawrence seemed too old to have a babysitter. Kind of getting ahead of ourselves. This is where everything starts because right. his action leads to his sister, which leads to him having to care for her into adulthood. It also completely like he associates sex with bad because his first experience ended up with his sister falling downstairs and being really And yet he can't injured. control himself being attracted and enjoying sex. It's weird. But it's, he has this this weird association with it. So there is some people who have said that's his mom. When she falls in that opening credit, all of a sudden two peepholes open up. One's on the teddy bear and one's on her face. And right off, you're taking this voyeuristic view, like you're seeing in through binoculars or something. I thought they did a really good job for that. Oh, yeah, because it up. immediately transitions to a guy and basically oh. he's wearing tidy whities and he's sort of just like touching himself. The border of the frame is kind of blurry. And it's a man. He seems alone. You don't see his head. He gets up. He's got a mirror with two pictures. And it ends up, it's Nora. And then we get our first phone call. He makes sexually explicit phone calls not like the calls that you get in black christmas (laughs) 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 which are far more disturbing but these are disturbing and the way they shot it where the sound cuts out every time he's on the phone it's just him and he's touching himself and for 60s he's just rubbing his skin but he has tidy whities on there's so much suggestion yes which is kind of great when you can show somebody something here's a picture and it's not you make them think of the thing you want. Yeah. It's like, we're not going to show him masturbate, but we're going to show you this picture of him not masturbating, and it's going to be immediately what you think. Like That, to me, is pretty... That's good storytelling. And they litter this movie with what they consider pornographic magazines or sexually explicit literature. They cascade over his desk, and there's a magazine called French Frills and a book, When She Was Bad, by William R. And I just point out, that's actually not a pornographic book. That was actually a detective The book. old pulp stories had really mm. suggestive race. Exactly. You know, got in some trouble. So you know that he's, whoever this caller is at this time, he likes these magazines. He's calling people at 6 in the morning. Every time they have those scenes, it's like how they shot the camera, it's off-putting. You're never quite comfortable in your seat. You're just always feeling very unsettled. So and we go to the club, which is great. The dancing in this movie, if you just wanted to do a, a say, you know how they danced in the 60s? Because it's a very specific style of dancing oh, in yeah. the 60s. Just show clips. And it's the weirdest, most diverse crowd I've ever seen. You have African-American couple over here. Then you have like an 80-year-old white couple. 
It is. It's just. It is. Is it eclectic? It's a struggling club, and I think part of the problem is they play two songs. Like here, we go to that club a number of times, and it's always the same Same songs. songs. So, and they're like, "Man, what a slow night!" And I went, "You're playing Born to Be Bad," and it could have been me. Do you think that the cinematographer? the director, the writer, they're doing this on purpose because when you see those people dancing, it seems to be happy and uplifting. It's like right on the surface, right below this, there's constant deviancy or, I mean, this movie portrays sex in the poor, there's no positive representation of sex in this entire movie. No. Everything is like sex is bad and look what this lead. And so I don't know. Well, because they're enjoying themselves dancing, but at the same time, the people that are working there are ogling them. Yes. The one guy does and Nora, our lead female, she talks about, oh, I see you yeah. scoping on, and I would too. Yeah. So it's they're there as sort of for us to watch Rush. them, which is a little off. Yeah. I mean, people do it, yeah, but it's still kind of, we're not trying to run a business, we're doing a little creepy thing. Yeah, voyeuristic is going on. Yeah, throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Nora is a DJ at this club, which seems like an interesting job for a wannabe actress. Yeah. I seems mean, like it a, seems a good like gig. it's a good gig. But I just, again, <laughs> the last time I'm going to mention it, you've got dozens of records there. Why do you keep playing the same two over and over? Again, some of the suggestive things. There's yeah. this creepy guy at the bar, not even hitting on her. It's almost like a prank call in person, yeah. like, a, like a creepy call. He says, are you hungry? You want, some, you want something to eat? I'll buy you a, let me buy you a Frankfurter. We both got... We- and it's, I don't think it's us being creepy. No, we know he, what he meant. And they meant it too. And it's just, ugh. He ends up getting thrown out by Daniel J. Trevante. Yes. Carlo. Yeah. Who plays a deaf mute. Weird role. I mean, well, good looking guy. And at first you're thinking maybe, like, eventually you're thinking, like, maybe he's a possibility. Oh, he is. Because Nora talks to her boss, the great Elaine Stritch. Oh. And she tells her about, you know, I got this creepy phone call her boss says you know hey you're gonna have to be tougher if you want to make it in show business that is if you want to make it on your feet <laughs> you know not really <laughs> you know what i mean right yeah like all this suggestive crap Nora's clearly upset by this phone call so carlo pops in kind of looks at her and smiles jason she gives him a look that clearly she's on edge she's yeah. really freaked out any man she sees could have been the creep who's calling her and so she thinks of that of carlo that Frankfurter guy, you know, he gets outed by Carlo, and Frankfurter guy pulls a knife, leading to Elaine Stritch. Is that how you say her last name? Yeah, Stritch. Plays Marion, the manager of the club. Um, everybody ends up going to the police. I-, I have to say this, except for 30 Rock. <laughs> I have never seen her in a movie. She does a great job. Apparently her career was more on the theater side. Yeah. She did such a great job. But I saw, I'm like, why does this woman seem familiar? And I'm like, oh... Alec Baldwin's mom from 31 Rock. <laughs> but we get to the police station town where we meet, which I think eventually is, if you want to say there's a hero to this movie. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah there's I, no I hero. The, yeah. the male protagonist, Dave Madden, Lieutenant Dave Madden. He and Marion, they have a great exchange because Carlos telling telling a story, but he can't tell yeah. it. He's sort of writing everything down, saying yeah. this is what happened. The dude, the guy ended up falling on his own knife, but he's going to live. And Madden comes in. And says, what about the other girl? Is she a tramp? Do we use that term anymore? <laughs> I, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to now. In Elaine Stritch, she He's has... that happy, scrappy tramp out there. <laughs> but in Elaine Stritch, goes, she, she takes umbrage with this. She, and she has the great line, I don't expect manners from a cop, but you abuse the privilege. The one cop says, Dude, Dave, you want to take her home? And he goes, let her get a cab. Yeah. <laughs> he says that until he sees her. Okay, hold on. Is it when he sees her? 
Or is it when he overhears Marion told the cops, like, hey, my girl was Got getting these creepy... Yeah. yeah. Nora goes, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to fill more paperwork. I kind of think that, when he overhears that, that's when I think he becomes more interested. Don't, or well, do you, I think that... Do you think it's just it, he sees her? She's she's a dish. Yeah. Julia Prowse she's is beautiful. attractive. And she was apparently known for her legs. When yeah. she died, the, some guy... Actor said she had the best legs since Betty Grable, which is saying a lot. I think one, he sees her. All the men in this movie look at her with, hey, she's something special. Something special. But two, he is heavily involved, not by the police department saying, we want you to investigate these. He has made his life quest to understand perverts he's a profiler yeah a profiler like, sexual a pro- deviancy. way before the profiling yeah. really wasn't a, a thing so i think it is two things he hears that story and he also sees her and he's like eh. you know i think it's because he has his own obsession just like lawrence has the sexual obsession he's obsessed on the other side from preventing it even gets brought up by one of his yeah. colleagues says so you're, in, you're in too deep crockett yeah. you know yeah. it's the in, <laughs> in too deep crockett moment that he is you're so inside that you're actually becoming one of them. And at this point, too, you're still thinking that every male in this you think is a potential for being this caller. He especially. It's well almost f- over halfway into yeah. the movie before you for sure realize He's, Lieutenant Madden isn't the creep. At that point, he goes up to Nora and he says, well, maybe I made those calls. He doesn't help his case. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he follows her, which is this great montage. And then instead of saying, hey, I was tailing yeah. you in case I see the creep following you he brings up what she did throughout her day in a very creepy way so he they're trying to keep it somewhat of a mystery and that's part of this too this movie where it's strange where it's like they could have kept the mystery to the end or they could have told you right at the beginning i mean watching this the second time like there's no question who this is yeah but the first time through salminio yeah but you know you do see him salminio he's he's awesome and nora makes her biggest error She does a lot of questionable things. Yeah. And I don't think it's, you know, victim blaming. Yeah. It's when she knows there's a creep out there yeah. after me. She does some things that are a little careless. But her biggest mistake, she looks with suspicion at every man except for Lawrence. Yeah. It's Salminio. He's a handsome guy, boyish, good looks. Yeah. He's tiny. I mean, when they're dancing, the great dance scene, it's like you see his hips are like... Yeah, tinier than hers. Like, what's his size? Twenty. I think he's wearing yeah, exactly like a twenty four. Twenty like, jeans. He's wearing pants I would have worn when I was ten. You know, but no, he's he's great. He's good looking. He's in great shape. But she just doesn't see him as threatening yeah. at all. No, it's a Ted all. Bundy thing. Yeah. So after the the police department, Lieutenant Dave Matt agrees to drive her home. And this is a very strange, like, meet cute moment because their conversation—it's an unsettling conversation. And yet they're trying to say, like, these are going to be our romantic leads. Is that where they put the music? They have some strange, like, sitcom music yeah. play at one point? Well, I wrote that right here. The music and the cuteness and the humor seem really off at this point. He's driving her home because she's threatening phone calls. Someone just got stabbed at the club that she works. And then you're <laughs> playing, like, the goofy music from Bewitched. It is. It, it so, like, throws you, pulls, it's jarring. And I think they, they do that on purpose throughout this movie, trying to say, like, life could seem cute and normal but right under the surface the way there's like dark nihilistic soul in it we're all like at one point we're all animals i just like the fact that you <laughs> you somehow managed to work meet cute into the discussion of this movie 
Oh, well I'm gonna, done. I'm going to work the clash later on. <laughs> well, in well done, Jason. Well done. So then the, we get our second peep, yeah. and she's undressing. I wish we could get the view from her window. At one point, he says, you always leave your window open with the drapes up. And she says, well, who's, who's going to see me? A peeping brick wall. So you get the impression if you look out her window, there's nothing, no way yeah. someone could peep in. But this guy, clearly, he's got a great seat. And even that scene where she leaves her door open with a lieutenant she just made and she's changing. And you're watching her change. And if you get the sense of what this movie's about, about voyeurism, also you're like, oh my gosh, we're watching her. Yeah, we get our second phone call. Each phone call escalates because this time he's, he says, I know every inch, every area. And he's, he uses her name. She kind of just goes the course. And I get she sort of talks about, I'm not going to have my life upended by this but at the same time this person knows your name and they're getting more graphic and and the cop even says this is only going to get worse he's like i know where this goes and it gets worse and worse he does use a little tough love that she doesn't yeah because he he runs a list of sexual perversions and that's what you want to do on your first date (laughs) well jason he's also when he's talking to her she walks out of the room and he sneakily shows that he has a recording device he's recording her without her knowledge so once again you're thinking which is unethical at the very best and so it leaves like well he's there why this caller takes place so maybe he's not but should we go on our next beer i think so man describe this movie and i want to take a shower afterwards i can't stress it enough it's not because it's bad no no this is well done it's it's very good it does its job really well it's not meant to cheer you up i think it's meant to make you uncomfortable in your seat it's creepier than any other movie we've done. And it's depressing we've done a few. as, oh as heck. Like I'm just you watch it, and after watching it several times, I sit there. I'm like, this is bleak. There's no out for this. There's no happy ending. Let's oh, do no. the Upper Iowa Common. Yeah, let's do that. The Common, not the Steam Beer. No, no. <laughs> I gotta say, this Honey Kolsch, catching a buzz. This was delicious. Honey with Kolsch. That is nice. The yeah. can has like these bees crawling around. Like it's a cool label, yeah. and I like this one. It's like kind of a little artwork. Oh yeah, I and mean, I like it. It's just this. I don't know. It almost looks like seashells or something on it. It's a upper Iowa comment. This is great. Who did you drive down there with? Drove with my buddy Johnny. Nice. And it's in northeastern Iowa. I was in Dubuque visiting, and it's about oh, thank you. Uh, just under a two-hour drive, but you drive up the Mississippi River Valley, the first leg. So, I mean, it's a gorgeous, and northeastern Iowa is, it's called the Driftless Area. When the glaciers came down, that's why you have so much, like, flat, rolling land in the Midwest. There's a section, it's where I grew up, called the Driftless Area. It's where the glaciers didn't hit, and that's why it's, it's more steep hills, a lot of forests that isn't in other parts. Uh, you have the bluffs, the Mississippi River. So, it's just this gorgeous drive, and you get up there. It's a, Decor is a college town. Okay. Uh, for jam band fans, back in the 90s, the Dave Matthews Band released a live album oh. live from Luther <laughs> College. It's a cool little town because that college town vibe is... Uh, and I, you get better, I, you get to have one of these beers. I love this style. Oh, this yeah. smells so good. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, oh that's good. good. I did... Brandy coppery color. It smells great. Oh, yeah. Malty, caramely. That's... Oh, yeah. Oh, that's boy. That's nice. Quite a difference from the Kolsch. It is. You know? And I like it. Again, yeah. we talk about it all the time. It's like, I love breweries that have like huge variety. Oh, absolutely. Use corn. They're using a lot of the local ingredients. Nice. So they're getting their corn, sourcing their malts. and So, so it's, corn's going to be part of their mash. 
Yeah, this is great. This is oh, this is. I wish somebody would just walk in here with a plate of burgers. Up, Not up. a burger that she had. You saw that burger later on in the movie? I don't know if the food size just changed over time. That 1965 burger looked like it was a half dollar size. Yeah, it also, it also probably cost like 50 cents. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's up there. Well, I, this, I think when oh. they eventually go to the zoo, it's like 10 cents to go to the zoo. Worst zoo ever. <laughs> It, it, there's a rabbit and there's a chicken. What the and hell? I, I can see this in the park. <laughs> God, that's it is. Thank you, Pulpit Rock. Thanks. Oh, yeah. They, they were great. It's a small brewery. It's right along, I think, I always forget, I think the Upper Iowa River mm-hmm. is there. It's, great, a, it's a great little setting. I got pictures. I always try to get pictures oh. of the brewery, yep. the inner. You do a good yeah. job on that. So I, I, I try to get that. I want to represent it. So their distribution is getting big, and their beer is great. Can I ask you a technical question on the common sense? So it's a method of making this beer using utilizing steam? No. Oh, man. <laughs> you put me on the spot. <laughs> Let's it, get sciencey. The steam style is basically they're using, a, it, they're using lager yeast and brewing, fermenting it at ale temperatures. Kind of a hybrid, okay. I guess, I w- is what I would say, okay. is using the lager yeast brewing at ale temperatures. Usually they're going to be maltier yeah. beers. But this is a good beer. I like the maltiness of it. It has a crispness to it. Yeah, it's great. It was, it's fun. Good day trip. Go with, go with a good friend. Check out a brewery. Now let's get into the montage. Yes. And, like the, that girl montage. <laughs> well, and it, it's again, this movie does a lot of like show, don't tell. She's going to theaters. You know, clearly she's like auditioning. And, and Madden's following her without her knowledge, just like he recorded her. She goes and she eats at, you know, the old style diner, like you said, Tiny Burger. And then... Well, she goes to the Hudson Health Club to swim. She's gorgeous. She She's beautiful. And she's swimming with her all her makeup on, which I, don't know, I found that like... If, if nothing else, I'd say that's going to get in my pool. Yeah. And that's, that could potentially clog up my stuff. But there's a, all of a sudden, you know the peeper, the collars around because the music will change like that. Yeah. And the ominous music comes on and there's someone kind of it's the same male body you never see from the head up at the time kind of touching themselves kind of looking over their shoulder you only see that like maybe their chin and looking at her while she's swimming very unsettling since they're giving us the red herring of madden you might think oh it's him you know because yeah he's been creepy he's been downright creepy to her face and then he's following her Stands to reason you might think, well, that cop's a bad guy. Like, watching several times, I'm like, that cop doesn't have a body like this guy. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> That's what I thought, too, man. That's exactly what I was thinking. So then we get Madden's home life. He's a single dad. Got this adorable daughter, Pam. Played by his real daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they, have, they have got a really sweet relationship, except for the fact he brings his work home. And he sends her to bed. And this is how this little kid goes to sleep, listening to her dad listen to recordings of women describing being raped. And getting perverted <laughs> phone calls. And his desk is scattered with books, which were important texts. I still think to this day, I looked up these texts. Sadism and Masochism, Volume 1. Sex, Culture, and Myth by Bronislaw. Slash um, Lust yep. was one. Teen, teenage Nudist Magazine. Rubber. Yeah. There's one I caught that was just said Curable rubber. and Incurable Neurotics by Edmund Burglar. All those books came out right before this movie. Some of them still to this day considered important anthropology and psychological texts but you know they're probably very dated now but can you imagine that his living room is the profiler's office and a little girl is going to sleep listening to this 
I don't know if you ever watched Veronica Mars, <laughs> where no. her dad's a private investigator, <laughs> and she's basically in high school, and she works for him. It kind of reminds me, like, he's grooming her to be a private investigator rather than anything See, else. I, I was thinking psych, yeah. but it's yeah. Not, a, not a comedy, <laughs> it's you not... know? Like, when you're taking your exactly. eight-year-old kid to get a burger, and then you before he can have a milkshake, you, he has to tell you how many people are wearing hats. Because the daughter <laughs> clearly picks up on the vocabulary, because at one point she's like, is she a hooker dad? Is she a hooker? <laughs> and his reaction is, <laughs> he chuckles, goes... Uh, she's not what you said. <laughs> but once again, it's showing this very callous, dark, where he's sitting, spending his nights trying to understand these people, listening to this, knowing full well his daughter is hearing all this. And imagine like on a an eight, nine-year-old psyche listening to these lurid descriptions of women being describing being raped or being harassed, uh, harassed threatened. threatened. The like, thing is, with him and with Lawrence... Obsession. And, and obsession, and it's due to a trauma. My life kind of stopped when there was a traumatic event. For Lawrence, it's when he was sleeping with somebody instead of watching his sister, and she got really hurt. And for madden it's when his wife was raped and murdered and mutilated they really stressed the mutilation part that just set his life on a different because it's not even that he brings his work home he is he never yeah that's it that's his his whole life it's and it's it is a credit to him that he does seem to have a a loving relationship with his daughter we go back to the discotheque and i'm going to ask you like we have these dark moments and then it always kind of goes i mean this could have been a play the amount of locations are very limited. And every time we go to discotheque, it's that happy music again. And and I and, and dancing. And, and I appreciate it because it removes like the bad taste I just had in my mouth from that last scene. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. There's there's some joy. I if I was in the world of this movie, I would want to be one of those people doing the weird dance from the sixties. <laughs> I don't want to be any more part of that story. It's that big city, soulless, crushing you yeah. kind of vibe. Marion, of course, she she seems like a nice enough boss. She's a tough cookie, but she offers her place to Nora. You know, hey, you could come stay with me. Seems innocent enough, but we find out later maybe it has, there's a little more to it. And she gets a call at work this time, and Marion thinks that's a job offer, and Nora gets that call. It's it's the creepy caller again, just showing that the work's no longer safe as well. So we go from him just calling. And being kind of creepy to him calling, being creepy and dropping her name. And then third, calling her at work. Nora, to me, it's weird how she doesn't seem to take it serious enough. She explains a partner philosophy. She doesn't want to live a scared life. It's not about being scared. It's about being safe. I agree. Because when she gets home, there's a a headless, he tore the head off the teddy bear. So she opens her door and there's a headless teddy bear. These two cops come and the one is just that wonderful, callous cop who, who says anybody get in here this yeah. this locks a joke ha! you know he's just talking he might as well just say yeah you're gonna get raped i can't remember that character doctor's name but someone online showed him making that same smirk in other i mean he was like a character actor for like he's yeah. still alive he has character. that face and is like showing him making that same smirk in other movies that's great always played a detective or because, a police officer because the old the older <laughs> cop finally is just telling him hey cool it yeah. you're scaring you're the scared. hell out of this lady you know and madden shows up and it's clear now he's not officially part of this investigation. And that leads you to believe, wait a second, why is he so involved? But he wants to make a drink for her to calm her down. She drinks whatever's around because it, <laughs> it was there when she moved in. You know? And at one point he sees her, and he's not creeping, yeah. but he sees her as she's undressing. Yeah. And then he turns and he makes that face like, whoa, hey, yeah. you know, hello. And I mean, yes, granted, she's a beautiful yeah. woman, but... 
they just keep trying to sow those seeds that he is going to end up, which, I mean, seasoned film watchers will go, that's a red herring. It can't be him. It's too obvious. Because he starts dropping hints, like, haven't you had enough chlorine for the day? Like, all of a sudden she's realizing... You had steak for lunch, going to theaters. And she is put off. Really, it's just bad. That's, That's bad communication. Because it is. All it does is freak her out. And she thinks, oh my God, I... He's here. This is it. Nora asked Lieutenant to leave. It, he becomes a little aggressive with her. And I'm thinking, at first I'm like, oh my gosh, like, we're only like 35 minutes in the movie. Like, this this is it. And he grabs her and almost shakes her and pushes her down on a chair. Yeah. It's unsettling. Because I, you like the character. He seems like, he, I mean, I know the, the actor, Jan Murray. He was a comedian. Jan Murray. He started, Jason, he started in vaudeville. He did the Borscht Belt, which is just one of my favorite terms ever. He did tons of stand-up. He worked stand-up and he did bits. He did golfed with, you know, big comedians. And he'd do, like, bits when they'd go on USO tours or something. He was, Headlined the Flamingo Hotel when it first opened. So, basically, he worked for the mob. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1. He's like, I have nothing to sell here. That, that's that, him. That is? Yeah, that's oh, that, him. That's great. But nothing. I, li- I great. like him. Like, I like the character, but I'm and, unsettled constantly by him. Because I'm thinking, like, he might be the creep. I don't think we mentioned this at the beginning. For Joseph Cates, the director, when you look at someone's career, sometimes there's like, you go, wow, that's odd. That's an outlier. When I first watched this, I thought, oh, this is going to be some young, hungry director. And they were inspired by the French New Wave because there's some similarities there. And I looked and I go, Joseph Cates, he was old when he did this. And his entire career, most of it was television, Battle of the Network Stars. And this is such an outlier. Somewhere like mid-career, he just went, I want to make a dark, disturbing movie. I have something to say about the 60s and what's going the, on. The movement of the human sexuality, you know? the perversion. And Jan Murray mostly did a bunch of, you know, I'm, I'm assuming kind of, cheese ball yeah. stand-up comedy he was super successful at it in that era you know and then he's playing this guy i think it was an episode of cold check night soccer too which is awesome but anyways Great show. <laughs> yeah but he gets aggressive with her he pushes her down and she starts insinuating that he's the creep and he goes like don't put me in there in that class and oh. then he tells a horrible story about what happened to his wife and, and i love like, jason he does that kind of it's an old school thing he's like i can't tell you this to your face yeah. and he turns he's standing he's facing away and then again like you said very about, much like a play like, like, a, like a theater <laughs> yeah. where he'd be out facing the audience because you know what it's like he's sort of burying his soul and especially in, in the past it was a man couldn't talk about feelings or something and he said you like to go to the movies tells yeah. his story about his wife didn't come home they found her under some stairs raped and murdered mutilated and they told him she'd been mutilated after she was dead but he doesn't think so yeah. <laughs> you know it's, he hopes it's that. this just this horrible oh my god yeah. story i think i'd still want him to leave after that i go wow you're something's wrong so he said like i could tell you everything about perverts and degenerates <laughs> it's been his life's work to find out why and then the phone rings. This is the moment. Because even when he tells that story, you think, he could be making this up. Yeah. He's, he's, or like, that drove him over the edge, and that's why he's doing yep, this. Exactly. Yeah, good point. But it's not until the phone rings, and she answers it, but the creep hangs up. Apparently, it's a different phone call. She's like, he just got really angry and hung up. And he's, he's like, huh. I wonder what set him off. Yeah. And he's even saying he's kind of walking over by the window, yeah. which is open. And yeah. that's when he says, you know, do you keep your window open? But then... We're 40 minutes in the movie, and we get the big reveal. Lawrence is the caller 
the creep. They do that French New Wave where they freeze frame it on him. Mm-hmm. And I remember you had mentioned this before that that was a common technique. We saw it in the house that screamed. Yes. It's black. You see a yeah. silhouette. Yeah. And he goes to light a cigarette. So it's a great yeah. reveal. You just see Sal Mineo. Boyish good looks. I mean, I don't think that... I mean, he died young. But I think he would have looked 20 when he was 80. The cinematographer who did this, Joseph Brun, B-R-U-N, when we were doing our film noir special and we're watching a bunch of film noirs, some I've never seen, I watched one that's become one of my favorites with Harry Belfonte, Odds Against Tomorrow. He did the cinematography on that movie as well. Anyway, so when we get the story now. We get a flashback in story. Because we Michael. hear his, his sister. She, we heard her once before. It sounded like a child's voice. And, but his sister's a grown woman, and she's clearly brain damaged. Yeah, we get this flashback where he's watching her, and she's a little girl with a teddy bear. And then a woman comes to the door and sort of seduces him, lures him away to go upstairs and have some sex. And Edie follows him. She's standing in the doorway. And then she goes to run downstairs, falls downstairs, screams. He goes to get up to help her, and the woman pulls him back and says, what a horrible person. I know. So we get the impression that's what... She hurt herself. That's why she is the way she is. She needs constant care. That flashback would have been 10 years prior, and assuming he's in his 20s, he was a teenager, so he was technically what you consider, like, he was molested by this older woman. And we don't know if it's, I mean, like I said, there's no clear person who it is. They did mention that both their parents died, but we don't know who this older woman is. But But that's the event that made him the way he is. Yeah, He's repulsed, and then... It's, it's over-sexualized, but then repulsed by his sexualization It at is. The same it's time. just a complete messy, yeah. messy person. Yeah. At this point, Nora does take up, take some sense and yeah. goes back to Madden's place. And that's yeah. where his daughter comes up to him and says, she a hooker? Yeah. <laughs> they have a family day at the zoo, which, like, I agree, it's like the worst zoo. It's okay. like, right. I wanted to see a rat or something. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza rat, yeah. you know. And it just seems like they're in these little sad crates just sitting out in a park like a guy just set up said zoo. It's just ridiculous. But they run into Edie and Lawrence. It's quite the contrast because you see Nora, the lieutenant, and his daughter as perfect family triangle. And then you see Lawrence and his sister Edie as an imbalanced, broken system. Yeah, And, and Lawrence has put off that they... They see each other in a non-discotheque, exactly. him-calling environment. But the thing is, okay, you could go a number of ways. He he sees her, and that makes him uncomfortable. It's yeah. not the discotheque. Sees her with another guy. That's the guy who was yeah. at your house. Yeah. Or he's ashamed of his sister. Yeah. He's out with his sister. And his sister, I mean, she is just so sweet, but she's damaged. Whatever age she was, was. like six or yeah. whatever, that's what she's going to be for the rest of her life. So I'm, I went, it could be any of them. You don't really see her outside of the apartment. He yeah. sort of keeps her there to take care of her. He doesn't like her going out in the world. She might get, you know, dirtied by yeah. people. The way they shot it all said he looks back at them and they're like standing in that perfect film triangle in the middle and you're like, that's what he wants. Do you so, think that's why at the end he's always, he's flashing to the park? I that, think so. I think, yeah, I think because that. Because he's like, that's what the perfect family should be. That's the ideal. He's running to that. Yeah, no, that's because I kept, you know, I was thinking at the end when he's running down the street, he keeps flashing yeah. to Nora in the park and, and I went, what is the meaning of this? Is this yeah. about the zoo? Just, I'm never going to have that. I wish I could. Like, that seems like normal. 
there's that line from Taxi Driver from because the whole time I'm thinking that of Travis is it Travis, Travis Bickle yeah of like one day a real rain's gonna come to this city and wash all, all the it. filth and scum <laughs> away because it's like he, Travis knees up buddy yeah. <laughs> have a beer have a beer ease up you know it's like you're hanging out with your buddy and he just starts going into that and you go why Whoa. are you suddenly going Werner Herzog on me bud <laughs> because Lawrence you know he is making perverted phone calls to Nora but at the same time he basically has a very negative view like it comes out about the people at the club and women and what they're doing and how they're dressed and he's sick like that. yeah he is sick he doesn't know what sex is he doesn't know what love is it's a Norman Bates type of thing absolutely where he is psychologically messed up from past trauma and he can't he doesn't know how to get beyond it he's going the wrong direction like and i think he realized it too a little bit not even joking this this movie could also be read as an indictment of our our mental health system now it's like people will talk about trauma and ptsd and we have they didn't have a lot of that stuff so i mean you have a cop whose wife was brutally raped and murdered his help is basically like just burrowing in on people who do that and just trying to get them and this guy like you said was molested whatever you know south park jokes you want to make it's like he was taken advantage of to the point that his sister was irreparably damaged this is a tragedy it is is. we need to have another drink because just the more i discuss (laughs) i everybody's a tragedy in this movie lawrence is a bad what he does is horrible but the same time, I'm like, man, there was no one. Like his parents died. No one. There was no one there to say like this is wrong. Like, I mean, perpetrators can be victims too. Yeah. It wasn't like he woke up and was raised and said, "I want to go out and be a horrible person." And I think that's why the next scene where it shows him taking care of Edie and saying, "Don't dress like this," because she's kind of get. And again, the incest thing comes up. Yeah, she's getting kind of sexy, and yeah. I, I can't remember the actress's name. She's adorable. And I think Jane, she'll walk in sometimes see see the movie she didn't watch it but she's like i would watch this because it had a cool vit she's like this is the movie it's got a great visual style but i think there was some like outfits she'll say that's in style right now very mod clothing that's very her haircut she's like that that haircut is yeah yeah, she's just a doll and she's she's talking about how some woman told her she was pretty this woman i I think the downstairs neighbor is like lending her clothes because she, she looks like an adult but she has a maturity of a six years old. I know she was hurt in the fall, but I also wonder like, if some of it, if it's almost going back to the baby, <laughs> did Lawrence, like him trapping her in this time, like, did that also contribute to this where he doesn't want her to grow up? He keeps telling her, he's like, I don't want you to be like that. You can't be like them. I don't want you to tease you and lead you on and tear your guts out. So, yeah, and he freaks. No, you're right. There, so there's I, something I, to I that. I wonder if a bit of it is because he won't allow her. He's kept her in this space. No, there's definitely something to that. It's just sad. So hey, it's such we're on a, like downer. What are we trying now? B- BTO, BTO. And, and it's great because it's got the kind of a '70s vibe on the label with the oh, yeah. orange and then these groovy stripes, and BTO being Bachman Turner Overdrive. Overdrive. But it's B O C K because it's an amber Bach. So again, it's going to be malty, slightly yeasty. Color. Great. Cheers. Smells good. Cheers believe this would be their flagship beer. Okay. One of the first ones of theirs I had. I love it. You know, nice amber. Not as roasty. This one's a little sweeter than yeah. the previous one. They yep. have similar, similar in style in the sense of like that malt. Yeah. They're on the malty side of yep. the street as opposed to hoppy. Similar color. Yeah. yeah. But this is a little sweeter. It's a little sweeter. Not quite as roast. Yep. One thing I kind of appreciate is I don't think any of these are overly strong. Usually I'll request one beer because then we talk about one beer. 
But when they give me the variety pack, I kind of yeah. like that too. It's yeah. fun. And especially something you don't have access to it out here. No. I go home to the Midwest, so it's fun to bring this go. Hey, Jason, it's not just one beer. They gave me this variety pack of some different styles, different representations. Looking forward to it. It's you. a nice sample. It is. it is. It really is all of these. And you know what? I got to point out, they did not give us one IPA. Interesting. We love IPAs. Don't get us wrong. We do. They have dominated the craft beer world for over 20 years now. So it's, it's kind of great when they give me a variety pack. These always make me feel like bellying up to a bar. Yeah. If there's a sport on, you're just I don't even know what it is, but I'm watching that. Belly up to a discotheque. <laughs> Belly up to a discotheque <laughs> and, get, and get right back to... Lawrence calls in sick to the discotheque, and so we, now we have... Well, he snaps yeah. at Edie, and then he's like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And, and I always think it's because if I stay here, I'm going to hurt her. I think so, too. I really think he's just, that's what he does. Cause, or, or He can't control himself when something else is going to happen. Yeah, there's going to be... Because the incest theme comes yeah. up, and it's like, you kind of feel like, I need to separate. Because yeah. he goes on this walk... Kind of again, similar mm. to Nora's earlier walk, except he's this he's is going the seedy side. The of things she walked by, he's looking at. Yeah. He's looking. At, I figure it's Times Square. I imagine somewhere. In I New think York, Times like, Square used to be. They always joke. People would say in the seventies they cleaned it up in the eighties or nineties. Yeah. The nineties, I think, but it used to be peep shows, strip clubs. Yeah. Really, go down there to get whatever gun, drugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. scary place. So, yeah. but he's looking. He's look at these. <laughs> negligation. negligation. It looks like Fredericks of Hollywood catalog. Panties <laughs> with a zipper on the front, and it's advertising it. There's one of my favorite things. There's a, an adult film, and it's yeah. called Call Girl 77. And there's the tagline for it is just the bare facts, ma'am. Oh, Michael, I had to look it up to see if that was a real movie, and sure it, enough, oh. it is. I don't think they had the money to like say, yeah. can we rent the space and put all this up because you they, they shot all of this is shot on location yeah this is all in job. new york it's it's a fan yeah it's, and I i'm thinking like i think sometimes like I, I can't imagine some of these shots were done with permits he's just walking around someone's filming him and i don't think all those people were extra I, I wonder so, uh, but that it, the actual movie is surf tide 77 if you want to look it up <laughs> but he it has he, vic tay back in it <laughs> oh man wow <laughs> That's a pull. But he he goes to, to a bookstore, an adult bookstore, no minors allowed. And the one that really caught my eye was Patterns of Incest was displayed prominently in the front window with all these other books like Tropic of Cancer. I looked at that bookstore. I'm like, is that what adult bookstores were like back in the 60s? They had William Burroughs' Naked Lunch. That book did catch a lot of grief yeah. for being great. And it's great. If you've ever read it, it's... It's pretty Sex dense. crimes and hit, like all these are real books. And I'm like, is, is that how you advertise like adult bookstore with like some of these are well, I was a kid, college you just went per- in and it was These are collegiate <laughs> books exactly. Like there's like, you know, you mentioned Trop of Cancer, Deer Park, The Art of Love, Fanny Hill. But he ends up going and again, one of those can't show it, yeah. so we're going to show it in a different way. He ends up going to Call Girl 77. Yeah. And then we cut to him walking out. I mean, you can't pass that up. Lighting he he's <laughs> But then we see him, he walks out after watching it, and he let, first thing he does is light a cigarette, like people would do after sex. Yeah. But then that gives him the idea, he goes, I got to go tell Nora. Like, this is his way, again, to use the taxi driver thing. In some ways, when Travis Bickle takes Sybil Shepard's yeah. character, to, goes to on a date. for a date. And she's like, you're joking, right? He goes, no, I go here. And she's like, this is about, you know... Yeah. As, as romantic as just saying, I want to F, you yeah. know? It's like after this, he's going to go over there yeah. and tell Nora, I guess, express his his idea of love. 
But yeah. Marion's over there, and she got her own idea. It's inferred that Marion is a lesbian, and that she's coming on to Nora, and she starts with stuff like, I dig fur, I dig soft things. Don't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the phone rings. Nora breaks down. She doesn't answer the phone. She just breaks down saying, like, finally, like, I can't handle this. And Marion is holding her and comforting her. But the comfort, even Nora, I mean, they do a good job. That comfort crosses the line where it's no longer comfort. It seems to be moving into a more sexual nature. And even Nora realizes this. You know, Jason, she does. But Marion's reaction is, you got the wrong idea. Yeah. Because it isn't that graphic i you know yeah it's not there's there's, nora is very paranoid at this point she's she's breaking down i could almost see marion's side where she went i was just trying to comfort you you took it the wrong way that's on you you know what i mean yeah it's it's ambiguous it is because i personally think she was trying to take this i think so too i think so but at the same time if you just watch it objectively you go but the way she Maybe even t- she... started touching her, it changed how she oh, was touching Oh, it was in the tone in her voice. Yeah. It was like, it's, it's like, okay, come on, baby. Come on, okay, baby. It's okay, baby. Yeah. It's all right, yeah. baby. Yeah. You know? it was, there is. But I could also see, like, she did it in that subtle way. And this is, this is a different time when people, exactly. you had to be really careful. You did. Marion <laughs> is wearing Nora's coat. Because she likes soft things. Yeah, and she likes fur. And <laughs> um, Marion says, you got it all wrong. You're messed up tried to be nice to you that's yeah. amazing that she's leaving yeah. with her fur and then Nora <laughs> says maybe too nice Nora kicks Marion out Marion steps out and she looks and who's right in the background Lawrence yeah and Lawrence just sees the coat and the hair Marion has to know that this is one of her staff members she, she kind of looks and she and goes like, there's a guy behind me yeah. creepy and then she runs and he starts yelling Nora yeah I dude I the same thing I, I went why didn't she just stop turning because in a fight, <laughs> yeah. I'd pick her. Yeah, she's she, Elaine Stritch. Like Marion is a tough, tough cookie. Yeah, you know that that woman has yeah. seen some things and probably done some things. It was odd because he keeps yelling Nora. She could just stop and say, first of all, you don't recognize him. You don't recognize his voice. You just stop and say, I'm not Nora, and then yeah. you go, Hey, I thought you were sick. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? like, you called it sick today. <laughs> I'm docking your pay. But he chases her into an alleyway. She runs, chokes her out. Yeah, he kills her. <laughs> I mean, like, it's really a horrible scene. Oh, dude, it is awful, and it is, it's exactly what the what Madden said. This is only going to escalate, and you know, we know this from watching, like, he yeah. crossed that river, yeah. so he could cross it again. His real unraveling begins now. Of course, Lieutenant Dave calls in a bunch of perverts, local perverts. In. You guys who like stockings? Yeah. And, and, and fairy, was it fairy, fairy hats? hats? Yeah. That one guy with the sunglasses reminded me of Kansas City Confidential of one of our favorite favorite noir stars, Neville Brand. He played Boyd Kane, Neville Brand. Jason, 100%. In fact, the first time I watched it, I thought, oh man, is that Neville Brand? I really did. Because <laughs> yeah. he's totally in the shadow. Yeah. And he's sort of like the laid back creep. Adler is this guy who's all, you know, fidgety. jacked up on speed. Yeah, he's yeah, super fidgety. And he's the one, he starts going, he's, he's like, oh, you pull me in because I like stockings or yeah. something. And then he goes... They cry rape because then they can get it and they stay clean. And he repeats that over and over. In a movie with a lot of uncomfortable moments, that's one of the worst. I mean, just the idea that this guy, in his head, he thinks women make rape up so that they can stay clean. Eh. And then the other police officer, probably a peer of lieutenant, says, they're saying reports about you. Like, this is not your case. 
he's like, you've gone over the line. Yeah, this yeah. is a Lieutenant Castillo yeah. going to cry and go, you're in too deep, pulling you out. Yeah. You're in too deep, Crockett. <laughs> he goes, you've crossed over. You've joined them. And he's like, I'm not like one of these animals. Oh, he's doesn't the like that at like, all. He goes, we're all animals. That's what the movie's saying. Like, let's let's change the mood a let's bit. Let's change the mood a bit. And uh, <laughs> all right, so we're on our last. What do we got here? This smells this is really the... good. All right, plum saison. Oh. Cheers. Cheers. They. It... Oh, that's good. Hand processed local plums. Since they're right up on the border of Minnesota, the local plums are from Minnesota. That's good. There's plum. There's kind of that funkiness. Since it's a saison, a little a little carbonation, you know, yeah. almost like bright. Oh. If I was in the shade, I could sit out in your backyard right now, and, drink these, and sip a few of these. Yeah, <laughs> I think this was a good a good route to go yeah. because the movie's gonna get yeah, darker. It, it's, it, the movie just cascades downhill because Lawrence he's, he's killed, worked up, and he needs to go work this energy off. So, like a lot of people do, he goes to the gym. Yeah. There's a gym montage, yeah. which is very suggestive the entire time. It's just a study in, in Sal Mineo's almost naked body. Yeah. <laughs> and everything is like a push pull. You know, it's like a gas going in and out. And yeah. you're watching the weight machine going in and it's out. The old, I, I can't remember if it was Hitchcock. It's the movie where the two, at the end, the two people are like, well, hello, hello. Yeah. And they're on a train. And then they, they cut. Train goes into the a train tunnel. goes into the tunnel. You know? <laughs> I think airplanes spoof that or something, but yeah, it's it symbolism. Is. But I got I got to tell you, it's it's better than murdering people. And he, he decides to cool it, off and go into the pool, and it just a, so happens. And of all the gyms and in all the cities and all the world, Jason, she uses the same gym. Yeah, the Hudson. Because <laughs> he's going to go for a dip, which I guess is kind of a thing. Yeah. Do a bunch of weightlifting and then swim. Yeah. Yeah. And she's in there, and and they, you know, they kind of in a normal world. This would have been kind of like a cute little interaction. Yeah. Because, but it, this would be a, a, like a normal meet cute. Again, yes. <laughs> again, she knows all this stuff is going on. There's And she's just by herself swimming. And she goes, you have a really nice body. She is talking to him. She's like, I remember when I was 19 and I was going to take the world by storm. And all of a sudden, like, he's not focusing. He's having a fantasy of swimming with her and getting closer and closer in the pool with her. Yeah, it's not creepy. No. I mean, he's creepy, but yeah. I mean, his fantasy, because he does. He's a bad person. Yeah. But deep down, I think what he wants, he's like, I just want a normal, simple life. Yeah. Like, I'd love to be able to just swim with this beautiful yeah. woman. But at the same time, he's like, he doesn't really love her. He's yeah. like, there's a weird There's possession. a lust and obsession about her. Really sick. Like, she's the pinnacle of what love and sex should be. He thinks, you can fix me. Yeah. And then she catches him. She goes, you're not even listening yeah. to me. And she goes, but let's go for a swim. And they dive in, and then it transitions back to their at lieutenant's apartment. And he says, <laughs> I ought to slug you. He has no the, grace. <laughs> he doesn't know how to express emotion. Well, he can't. Because, no, he can't. He can't. But he, he's he, broken. He says this, you know, because she went off by herself. And that's I, I think that's, you know, when she kind of says, I'm not going to be held prisoner to all of this. She says, I'm going to get a ride home from Michelle, who's this fake Frenchman who works at the club because yeah. he, he wants to know you're going to work right? and she's got to close the club so Michelle is going to yeah. give her a ride home but Lawrence strolls in the background as she's the club's the closed ride. yeah it's the end of the shift and everybody's gone the big fatal mistake yeah. because she goes Michelle can you wait 15 minutes and he goes it's Monday I can't, I can't wait, wait a minute. yeah she sees Lawrence no threat whatsoever so she's going to be alone with him and they start having a chat 
and she thinks this is all going well, but we know, and you can see that he's he doesn't know how to interact properly yeah. with people. Because he doesn't dance. He thinks it's weird. Yeah. They dance too suggestively. Yeah. They're cold he, without emotion. He takes real offense that she says, you know, I you're checking out the girls. He's like, no, not no, me. No. Maybe him. Yeah, maybe you know, Michelle. Because Michelle does. He's like, hey, do you see that woman? You yeah. see that redhead? Yeah. <laughs> so Nora is going to teach him how to dance. And this is a great dance montage. Oh, it's fantastic. And I'll tell you, there's a, there's a film called Band of Outsiders, French New Wave film. And there's a classic dance scene that Pulp Fiction actually influenced yeah. that. It re- check it out. You can find just the dance sequence. It's super cool. These three French folks are you know start doing this dance routine, and um, and that's what this reminded me of because it was it was these two people dancing. It's total sixty style. <laughs> Sal video is just awesome. Yes, and she's great. It's if you just showed someone a snapshot, just this clip, you go, "What a cute, charming couple." Yeah, what a great. They're couple. gonna they're gonna go off and have a happy life. They are. I bet they're gonna drive up the coast, <laughs> and they're gonna have a picnic. <laughs> but it flashes over to Lieutenant's office. I mean, Lieutenant's house. It looks like his office because he keeps all that material out. His daughter makes a reference. She's like, look, Daddy, I could see you in the mirror. And all of a sudden, he's like, crap. You see the, like the light bulb. Boing. He goes over to Nora's apartment and realizes that the way the mirror was set up. And so then he goes into the apartment across the street. And he has to realize, like, that's Lawrence's apartment. Like, well, he does. He goes in, he finds the binoculars, then he finds Edie. So that tells him. And I, I, I do have to say, hey. his handling of Edie, I thought... He handled her better than he handled Nora. He freaked Nora out. He dealt with her. Because this is a scared, yeah. basically a scared child he finds in a closet hiding. And he gets down and he speaks to her. He's not aggressive or anything. He really handles her well. And he knows, I got to get to the club now. And we go back to the club and there's this, like once again, this continue of this great dance montage until Lawrence stops. You can see that he's getting too amped up. He's getting too excited he all of a sudden turns in that voice from the phone and says Nora I love you and she's like oh he starts kissing on her and, and he's saying teach me yeah. show me worst pickup lines ever yeah <laughs> nobody anywhere in the history of the world wants to get romantic that way I don't no. I don't think so she's trying to fight him off but he forces himself on her we assume he rapes her well, it's assumed raped. that yeah, yeah. That she's raped his reaction is almost like a disbelief because he gets up and it's almost like he wants to apologize. Yeah. Or, like he realized he did something wrong. He's ashamed that he gave into his urge. Yeah. Like you don't really know. I, I think he this realized isn't he was love. wrong. This isn't yeah. love. This was wrong. I yeah. crossed a line that there's no more coming back from this line. Then that's when Madden shows up and just slaps him, does the old school slap backhand slap backhand slams him against the wall he's in silhouette the yeah. whole time you can't see his face very noir yes and he walks over and he's breaking down because okay. Mar- uh, nora is sitting there laying there she had just been raped she's in shock roughs up lawrence and lets him leave he just i don't understand off. that part unless I, the key finally fell apart too because he's failed twice now he yes. fell with his wife and he fell with Nora. So he's just standing over Nora, and she's in shock. She's saying, I can't find my shoes. Yeah. And meanwhile, Lawrence sneaks off. He's just running through the streets. He has nowhere to go now, Mark. And his brain keeps flashing to the park, and Nora's there. Like, maybe he can get there. Yeah. And that's If I can get back to that moment, that's where I could be. Yeah. A perfect family. You know, perfect unit. And perfect love. And he's running through traffic, and the, and the cops end up shooting him in the back. Yeah. No idea why. 
I don't know why. It's 1965. It's not like they have the capacity yeah. to communicate. Like, yeah. And I'm sure people ran through streets. You yeah. don't just shoot people running in streets. My assumption is at that point in time, Lieutenant was able to... Call some... Yeah, like, like with can't come radio. to some sense and say, like, I'm, I can't fall this completely apart. I have to call that. Or if he's on psycho the, when he was driving was over, he yeah. got on and said, but Jason, again, <laughs> they don't know yeah. that it's the guy. What if it's just yeah. some guy? So anyway, I mean, that's you know, that's how the damn movie ends. Yeah. Is Lawrence being shot to death in the back in the street. And the fade to black to that final scene in that zoo park with Nora with her fur coat sitting up there. And then the, the Who Killed Teddy Bear song, this poppy song that... Haunting. Yeah. <laughs> And this is, is a, this is a great this is a good solid B movie on a subject matter that is lurid and dark and depressing. This was a tough one. Yeah. Again, it's like I said at the top of the show, I would recommend this. I don't know if I'll watch it again. It's not one of those I go, "Oh, cue it up." It's a fun little romp. 90 minutes just, yeah. you know, it's phantasm or escape from New York. Nobody wins in this no one. No one wins in. The tenants broken, Lawrence is dead. Nora's been raped. She's going to be a, broken. It's like a It's downer. You know? It is, yeah, it is such a downer. Yeah. It, but it's it's well done. It, and But that's what I think they're going for. Yeah. You successfully, hey, you successfully completed yeah. your task. Yeah. You, you wanted me to think and you wanted me to be uncomfortable. You did that. Yeah. I don't know if it's a reactionary or a social commentary on like the moral decline, quotation marks, of the 60s. Question for you. This was shot in black and white. In 65. And I think that adds starkness to this movie that this movie needs. What do you think if they shot that in color? It'd be interesting to go into an alternate universe yeah. where it was shot in color yeah. and we're doing the same thing yeah. and, we, and we were talking about it if we'd have the same reaction. Yeah. I think the black and white gives it, so, especially because there's so much deep shadow that I, is different in color. So I, I think the black and white served this, made it all the more just almost oppressive. It just sat there and made you confront some really un- unpleasant things do you so, think this movie I, says life is hopeful am i being interrogated just, i'm taking a test right like, now? What's going it on? makes me really sad watching this movie like i uh, so it's my movie picks so let me ask you and i know your response would you recommend this movie i would i, I would recommend it especially if somebody's really into, into cinema you want to check out different things i i would say check this movie out because i'd be curious to hear reactions from people. It's tackling things at the time weren't really discussed. And it doesn't get too deep into them. It's not Midnight Cowboy, yeah. but it does touch on those things. It's a fascinating little film. And like, you know, I think we talked about it and apparently I read in some film courses this is being covered now because of all the taboos yeah. that at the time. So, yeah. What about you? I would recommend this movie. I think it's a solid B movie that's a good movie. I think the content, the theme, what it's trying to say, I find very dark and depressing as all hell. I've watched this movie five, six times now. Yeah, do you I, think you'll watch it again? I will I will probably not watch the movie again. I watched it on Internet Archive. I watched it on Tubi. It's yeah, available. It's it's somewhat available. There's very little likable characters. There's very little hope. <laughs> and it's not a happy ending. It's lonely. <laughs> when you said that, that's what struck me. Like, this is a lonely movie. And uh, Lured. Lured was a great descriptor for this. But it, we need a beer to get through this movie. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. Four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we shared four beers. And, dude, this plum. So good. I got to say, I, cheers again. Cheers I, again. 
all of them knockouts. I really dig this brewery. Pulp at Rock, thank you guys. A little day trip, one of your best friends, going to a brewery. We had a lot of fun. All four beers were, were fantastic. They would be just an awesome foursome to have throughout a day. Starting with that colch was a good idea. Finishing up with this plum saison, it gives you a little like lightness. Yeah. There's like a light fruitiness that we need. Yes. Because, okay, I'll just give you a little peek behind the curtain. We record two episodes at a time. This is the first one because we talked about it. <laughs> we said we have to record. The other one is going to be a different one. I said, I can't end on this. I no. cannot end a recording on this movie. It's just too rough. Yeah, it is. So It will sit with but you. It's it's really good. Yeah, it is. And the beers were so excellent. Mm. And I agree. Like we did a Kolsch light honey. Then we did some caramely things got know, a little dark it got a little dark <laughs> you, you get know? the meat and potatoes it's like take a glass off and go oh boy here we go we I, had a, I need something strong something strong yeah. like tasting to get me through this our, the plum saison was like our rain that came through a real rain it is man <laughs> it it really is and I, it's funny you say that because they're having some great thunderstorms back home i was doing a zoom call with family and in the background i could see lightning and i went oh cleanse this world of all its nastiness just try to and then because i know the sun's coming after that it's gonna i don't need to be in the sun too pale but but i just i need that i need the life (laughs) so i think that closes the door on who, who killed teddy bear i think Please like, subscribe, and comment wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our website. This is Beer and Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael.